Well, in a famous moment when Billy Graham had visited Russia during the Cold War, a reporter said, Dr. Graham, you have set the church back 50 years. And Billy Graham, with his eyes to the ground, said, I'm deeply ashamed. I've been trying hard to set the church back 2,000 years. We're going to look at something incredible in Scripture today, pointing to the reality of Christ and recognizing the coming to the end of the year, starting the new year, moving forward in faith, having a stronger faith, looking back at some of the things in the first century and prior to that, what it means to live with that deep faith, how that can compel us to go deeper in our own lives in Christ. Acts 25, 19, Paul is on trial for sharing the gospel before Festus, the governor. And we're told this, they had disagreements with him about their own religion and about a certain Jesus, a dead man Paul claimed to be alive. That is the heart of our life in Christ. Believing in Jesus, a dead man that we know and experience as being alive. The disagreements that people have all across the country about so many different things, let our lives be marked by this, that we believe in a certain Jesus, a dead man that we know now to be alive. Years ago, John Fred Maldea wrote this book, Messiah in Both Testaments, in which he went through scripture. There are dozens and dozens of prophecies about the coming Messiah. He offered a cash reward for anybody that can find anyone besides Jesus of Nazareth that fulfilled even a portion of the prophecies. And of course, nobody ever collected what he offered because there is only the one that we know that is truly the life, that is the light, again, that lighteth all men. Some of those prophecies, like Micah 5.2, often discussed over the last several weeks in our culture, which says, But you, Bethlehem, out of you will come forth for me one to rule, whose origins are of old from the days of eternity. We are going to look at something here today in those prophecies, and again, to compel us to give thanks for the year that's gone behind and to have deeper faith for the year that lies before us. Dutch Sheets shares about a, a couple and their son, they found out, had been skipping school. Unfortunately, he had done it for three days by the time anybody caught on. And so they said, you're grounded for each of the days you skip school. And for three days, you'll be grounded to your room in the attic and you can't come out. You can't join us for dinner, no television, nothing. You just have to sit quietly, think about what you did. The husband and wife said that night, 2 a.m. they woke up and the husband said, are you asleep? To which the wife said, of course not. He said, I can't sleep either. He went upstairs to the attic and at 2 in the morning found his son weeping. He said to his son, listen. I can't change the consequence. There's a payment for what you did. But what I can do is serve it with you. And for the next three days, father and son stayed in the attic together. And as Judge Sheets would share, what a beautiful picture of the gospel message that Christ entered into our woundedness, brokenness, into our sin, served the sentence in our behalf, promised never leave us nor forsake us. Why? Hebrews 7.16 tells us he is a priest after the power of an endless life. That power of an endless life 
is why we can put all our trust and hope and faith in Him and day-to-day live with different standards and a different level of faith, a different type of gratitude, and a different example, such as this one here. Corrie ten Boom, well-known. Her family helped protect people from Nazi soldiers, hid them, and eventually they were caught and put in concentration camps themselves. Ten days after their arrival, Corey's father died. Her and her sister spent time together, but eventually her sister died. Corey Ten Boom released 1944 on Christmas Day. It was later found to be an error. Her number got mixed up. Somebody else was to be released. But as Corey said, God does not have problems only plans. We're going to see much more of her story unfold here in just a moment. Before we go further though, take a look at this red worm and keep in mind, not just for today for an interesting study, let this become something imparted into our hearts from the living word and what this means. This red worm here lives in the Middle East, and it's known as the scarlet worm or the crimson worm. And you see pictures of the tabernacle with the red rug and the priest had red in their robes. Well, this worm, this crimson worm, the red from its fluids were used to make red dye. And red in scripture, such as on the tabernacle, the red covering, or the red on the outfits the priest wore, that red represents the life is in the blood. And that red means redemption, sacrifice, a reminder that sin has a consequence, and that through the shedding of blood, one can be declared not guilty. Again, that red dye comes from this small worm known as the crimson worm, Remember that here for just a few moments. Upon Corey Ten Bloom's release from prison, a believer in Christ, she traveled to 60 different countries to talk about the gospel and God's grace. Even went back to Germany, of which she writes this happened. Three years after my release, I was at a church service in Munich. And I saw him, a former SS officer who stood guard at the shower room door in the processing center at Ravensbrück. He was the first of our actual jailers I had seen since my release. Suddenly, it was all there. The room full of mocking men, the heaps of clothing, my sister's face. He came up to me as the church was emptying smiling. How grateful I am for your message, Fraulein, he said, to think that, as you say, he has washed away my sin. His hand was thrust out to shake mine, and I, who had preached so often to the people about the need to forgive, kept my hand at my side. Psalm 22 is known as a messianic psalm. And written 1000 BC, it describes the the feelings, the thoughts, the words that Jesus would speak at the cross, what he would go through. And so, for instance, verse 1, 
My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? David in 1000 BC, having the mind of Christ, inspired by the Holy Spirit, wrote those words down. And of course, Matthew 27 tells us at three in the afternoon on the cross, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Psalm 22, verses 7 and 8 say, All who see me mock me, they hurl insults, shaking their heads, saying, He trusts in the Lord. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him, since he delights in him. And Matthew 27 tells us, Those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads, saying, He trusts in God. Let God rescue him now, if he wants him. Several things in that psalm, again, a messianic psalm pointing to the thoughts, feelings, words, and experiences of Jesus at Calvary. We're going to look especially Psalm 22, verse 6, which says this, But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by mankind, despised by people. But I am a worm and not a man. We might say in modern-day English, I was treated like dirt. Jesus rejected, beaten, punished, unfair trial, all these accusations that were not true, treated terribly, and in David's words, treated like a worm. Here's what's interesting about that word, worm. In the Hebrew, that word is tola oth. And it specifically means the one we just saw a moment ago, that crimson worm, this red worm whose blood was used for dye. Not just any worm, but I am a crimson worm. Corey Ten Boom continued, Jesus Christ died for this man. Was I going to ask for more? Lord Jesus, I prayed, forgive me, help me to forgive him. I tried to smile, I struggled to raise my hand, I could not, I felt nothing, not the slightest spark of warmth or charity, and so again I breathed a silent prayer. But I am a worm. Scripture tells us Jesus took on flesh to identify with us in our weaknesses. We all have times where we feel we've been treated unfairly. And he identifies with us in that in ways deeper than we can probably truly realize. And so as we come to the new year and look back on the year that's gone behind, there are challenges that we look back and see God has brought us through where we had no strength of our own. We look forward in faith to the year before us and say, you know what? No mind has conceived, no eye has seen what God has planned for those in his kingdom. We do so with a strength and a faith based upon Christ alone. And so, take a moment and process Psalm 22 and how far God will go to grab your attention, my attention. Henry Morris, years ago, started writing a lot of books about the Bible and science. He passed away a few years ago, but if you know, for instance, Ken Ham, who has the Ark Discovery in Kentucky, 
Henry Morris was essentially the mentor to all these men and women that have these ministries about science in the Bible. Henry Morris writes this about the crimson worm that is mentioned in Psalm 22. I quote here, When the female of the crimson or scarlet worm was ready to give birth to her young, she would climb a tree and attach her body to the trunk, fixing herself firmly and permanently and would never leave again. The eggs deposited beneath her body were thus protected until the larvae were hatched and able to enter their own life cycle. As the mother died, the crimson fluid stained her body and the surrounding wood. Here's a small worm, the crimson or scarlet worm. And when the mother's ready to lay eggs, she climbs a tree, attaches herself to that tree, and her young are protected underneath her. And when she dies, that crimson blood collar not only stains her body, stains the wood as well. But hold on for just a moment. Isaiah 1.18, a verse we all know by heart. Though your sins be as scarlet, that same word scarlet is the root word used for that scarlet or crimson worm. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be what? As white as snow. I'll read this from Trey Smith because he says it so well. This particular worm climbs the tree above its young. Its blood flows down and forms a protective barrier over them until they are ready to go out on their own. It turns out this takes three days, during which time the blood's pigment pales until, by the third day, it turns white. As Smith says, the symbolism is unmistakable here. Here is a picture of that blood-stained tree from the crimson worm. How far does God go to grab your attention or my attention? To let us know of His presence, His providence, His grace. When the psalmist inspired to write, knowing the mind of Christ revealed unto him, I am a crimson worm. And here in nature, this crimson worm, when it's ready to lay eggs again, climbs a tree, attaches itself there, lives for three days. When it dies, its blood stains the tree, but also gives protection to the young. Perhaps, as Billy Graham said, it's time to set the church back 2,000 years to a deeper time of reflection and commitment where they had some disagreements about a certain Jesus, a dead man, the apostles claimed to be alive. And who in Revelation 21, 5 promises, Behold, I make all things new. What was it like 2,000 years ago? I love this statement by John G. Lake. 
We are such a weak, wobbly lot in these latter days. God is just trying to get some backbone in us. We come along and are baptized, and about a week after, we can find them doing all sorts of things. The Christians in the old days came down to get baptized, and as they did so, a Roman officer took their names and sent them up to Rome. Instantly, their citizenship was canceled. Their right of protection from Roman government was cut off. Their goods were confiscated. They were left as prey to the avarice of the people, but they got baptized just the same. Bless God. January 1st never provides enough motivation for true change as all the well-known studies show by the second to third week of January resolutions are long since they have come and gone but perhaps for us beyond this day we can carry with us a reminder of a red worm Jesus claimed a metaphor of his own life it attaches itself to a tree, leaves that tree bloodstained. And three days later, that blood turns white. And in the process, the eggs, the young, are protected by that same red blood. An image to grab our attention. So we can say, how far does he go? To get my attention. Do I have to turn water into wine? Turn some stones into bread? Do I have to paint my heart across the sky in a blazing shade of red? Do I have to put the sun into the sea to make you fall in Love with me. Well, if that's what it takes, then let it be. Corey Ten Boom ends her account with this. Jesus, I prayed again, I cannot forgive him. Give me your forgiveness. As I took his hand, the most incredible thing happened. From my shoulder, along my arm, and through my hand, a current seemed to pass from me to him, while into my heart sprang a love for this stranger that almost overwhelmed me. And so I discovered that it is not on our forgiveness any more than on our goodness that the world's healing hinges, but on his. For a long moment, we grasped each other's hands former guard and the former prisoner. I have never known God's love so intensely as I did then. We enter into this new year, the promise of the one who is faithful and true and who promises to make all things new.